All right. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the CV Update. We are back this Sunday evening to recap another eventful week as there were five Celtics games, three Bruins games, the Red Sox wrapping up spring training before opening day next Thursday, and some new Patriots trade rumors regarding the quarterback position. We, were, we will cover all of that today. And joining me, as usual, is my co-host, Rohan Venkatesh. Rohan, how are you doing? Good as always, and especially great this week, especially since I'm making, well, we're making our YouTube debut this time. So to all of our listeners along the way, thank you very much. And to all of our people who are going to be new viewers, thank you even more. And I look forward to seeing you along the way. Yep, that's right. From this episode onwards, we will not only be releasing the audio onto Anchor, but additionally be uploading our videos onto our YouTube channel, The CV Update. This is another opportunity for us to bring our content to you, our listeners, and now also our viewers. So we are so, so excited to expand our platform onto YouTube. As always, you can also follow us on Instagram at the CV Update Podcast. But anyways, let's get started with the Celtics. Let's talk about them first. Big week for them, five games for them. And they also made a couple of trades. They received Evan Fournier from the Orlando Magic in exchange for point guard Jeff Teague and two second round picks. And Fournier this season, is um, he's going to be a free agent at the end of the season but he's only been a pretty good year. 19.7 points a game, 2.9 rebounds, and 3.7 assists this season in 26 games. And he started- It's not much of a loss since he was going to be a free agent anyways. Well, that's the thing. Well, 48, well, you mean for the Magic, for the- Celtics, because he's a pretty big addition for the Celtics right now. Like, I mean, I think the first thing I look at for 40A is the fact that, I mean, the 19 points a game he's averaging, that's kind of finally you have a replacement for Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward last season averaged 17.5 points, but obviously he's gone. He's with the Charlotte Hornets now. And with 40A, maybe you finally found someone who can kind of give some extra scoring, much needed scoring for this team. Obviously, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are there. They're your all-stars. They're terrific players. Kemba Walker, though, obviously kind of a down season. You're managing his minutes. Um, He doesn't play the second night of back-to-backs but he's still a solid player like even marcus smart for that matter like he like marcus smart i mean he's he's a veteran on the team but he's kind of been struggling as of lately his his minutes were kind of limited and well don't forget he was injured you know tatum brett yeah that that's true i mean but 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 the but for the celtics beyond jason tatum and jalen brown they they need more backup and and so this is this is much needed backup that they're getting however i would argue that it did come at a big cost uh in giving up daniel tice uh oh yeah yeah that's a bad one but to to the argument that they that this does kind of somehow provide a substitute for Gordon Hayward, I'm not quite sure it really provides that, but it can definitely replace uh, some of the offensive deficiencies while uh, definitely getting these um, getting these trades at a bargain. Uh, well, think about it like this. Think about it like this, though, right? For 48, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are your two best players, right? So they're going to be the majority of focus on the defense. So that's going to give a guy like Fournier plenty of opportunities to really make his shots. And he can score. If you leave him open, he will make you pay. So having now options like Tatum and Brown, he's averaging 19 in Orlando. And Orlando doesn't nearly have any of the talent that Boston has. The fact that he can now have two all-stars he can rely on for scoring i think it's going to help this team now like he's going to have open looks i mean he can definitely be someone who averages 15 to 20 points a game if the celtics use him appropriately don't you think so yeah so overall i would say good good trade for the celtics in the sense that they were, they were able to get um somewhat play like players who could somewhat replace the offensive deficiencies that that were kind of put in place after gordon hayward's departure uh obviously like since since daniel tice is gone that that's kind of that that leaves uh, a big hole but uh, it's more. I'm, I'm more curious to know why the Magic would have done this, considering they're kind of sitting near the bottom. And for the Bulls to get 
uh, to get to get Daniel Tyson and for them to send Mo Mo Wagner over to Boston and Luke I, Cornett. Not, Don't forget. Yeah, the, Luke oh Cornett. yeah. So so I mean like it's a puzzling decision if, if you look at it on their part, but uh, for the Celtics, uh, like you know like yeah like there was a big price to pay, but in, in the grand scheme of things, it may not be so bad after all. And for a mediocre team, and 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 I don't mean that in a in a um in a figurative sense. They're literally mediocre. Oh, yeah. They're, They're 23 and 23. So. so so I say that a very in a very objective sense. And you've you've probably heard me say repeatedly on the show, on the podcast, repeatedly in the past that that being mediocre is worse than than sucking, especially in the NBA. But Rohan, I did want to touch upon one point you brought up, and that's why Orlando's making this trade. It actually makes a lot of sense because they also sent uh, Aaron Gordon to the Denver Nuggets. So I think what Orlando is doing is they've realized like they're bad, but they're not horrible. And in the NBA, you need to really be among the worst teams in the league to get a shot at the, the lottery, like the top players, because we've seen historically the top superstars in the NBA, they're usually first or second overall. Obviously, you have exceptions. Like we've talked about Giannis, Kobe Bryant, Kawhi Leonard, who were picked outside of the top 10, and they are all superstars. I mean, Kobe, um, obviously, it's a Hall of Famer. And at the same time, though, like, we have to just talk about whether or not, like, um, I think that's why Orlando's trying to do the move. Like, I mean, the last time they had the number one pick, they picked up Dwight Howard. They drafted him first overall, and he's going to go into the Hall of Fame. They also drafted Shaquille O'Neal back in the day. So they've had a, a pension for drafting um, all-stars at that position with the number one pick. So I think that's what Orlando is doing. They want to really get that be horrible so they can get a top pick in the draft. So it makes sense what they're doing. Basically, those guys, they're probably going to cost them and make, basically have help them win games that they actually probably shouldn't be winning. Well, that would only be true if – if uh, the current moves that the Magic made would make them tank even more, uh, I think at least so. In the right? Short run, it's going to because forty-eight was averaging nineteen points. Who's going to like pick up the scoring? They're not a good team at all. So I think the Magic are basically tanking by doing this, and I don't blame them for doing this because in the NBA, like Orlando, isn't really an attractive free agent destination for um, free agents in general, right? It's kind of like it's like a nice. Obviously, you have Disney World and stuff like that, but at the same time, it's, it's not a perpetually bad team. They made the finals in 09. That's true. But at the same time, I think Orlando is not really like a free agent destination, like the way LA is, New York City, like Brooklyn, um, even Boston. Like Orlando's kind of down the... Well, that just goes to the culture of the team because it's it doesn't have the same kind of history as say like Boston or LA does or or other big market teams. But I mean, Orlando is is a magic. They're, they're, they're a proud team in their own right. And it's only a matter of time before they get better. That's yeah, just, that's just how it goes in the NBA. No team stays that fast for that long. They did make the playoffs last season and they lost to the Milwaukee Bucks. Actually won a game, they lost in five. So yeah, no, the Celtics, I think overall, like um, they actually, let's talk about that game against the Thunder because in a way that was actually an impressive win. And the reason I say that is because against- It the, wasn't even close. Yeah, no. They, they were they would command the whole time. No, but it's not just that. It's the fact that like you win by 17 or yeah, 111 to 94. But at the same time, it's on the second night of a back-to-back. This was like a trap game. This was a pure trap game. Like you had just come off such an emotional win against a really good Milwaukee team. Eight wins in a row they had had. Oh yeah, the Celtics have, you beating them. historically haven't been good in back-to-backs. And especially considering the fact that, that they usually don't play Kemba Walker in back-to-backs. Yep. They, well, they don't at all because they want to rest his knee. So the fact that they were able to go and actually convincingly, like Jason Tatum, 27 points, Jalen Brown, 25 points, Peyton Pritchard off the bench, 12 points, Carson Edwards off the bench, 12 points. Your bench really helped you this game. And maybe we're starting to see a turn now. Maybe we are, but we don't know for sure. Tomorrow we'll really see because guess who they're playing tomorrow? The New Orleans Pelicans. And you know why that matters? Because the last time they played oh, the Pelicans, yeah. they blew a 24-point yep. lead. So I really want to see how <laughs> How they do this time because if they go up um by 24 I hope, again I, I hope they go up 24 i hope they go up by uh by uh by even more 
Well, actually, no. I, I actually, on second thought, I hope they don't go up by 24 because that would be a jinx. Yep, exactly. Because <laughs> I know I know what this team is capable of doing. Exactly. So it's going to be interesting for sure. But I don't know. I do want to say, like, I mean, I think and of course, they're, they're, they're not that great in OT either. Like, they had another OT loss this past week against, uh, uh, against, against Memphis, the Grizzlies. But they were very depleted that game. It was just Jalen Brown who was playing. Jason Tatum had, last second was um, out for that game. So it was really They fought hard, though. They, they did fight hard, though. It just wasn't enough, though, unfortunately. Even even that game that they lost against Milwaukee, not the first one, not the second, but the second one they won. But they, well, the, first the first one, one they should have they, won that they game. Came back, they come from a 25-point deficit, and, and Daniel Tice, in the last second, he had an oh, open three-pointer. Oh, his man. Final, that was the game. Fi- and, 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 and that turned out to be his final shot as a member of the Celtics. What, what a way to finish your tenure with the team. That, yeah. That's just... That's unbelievable, man. I think, unfortunately, that game was also where Marcus Smart also had some unfortunate moments at the end of the game where he kind of bricked a couple shots pretty badly. He also turned it over and just didn't have a great game at the end. But, yeah, no, like, I think the Celtics, and I just want to also talk about Daniel Tice a little more just because his trade, I think the reason for this this trade is actually kind of meaningful is that it gives Robert Williams a larger role on the offense now. He's actually been playing pretty well against the Bucs, um, seven points, nine rebounds, and five blocks. And he's become a very good defender. And he's going to continue to get better as he continues playing. So I think uh, at the same time, I think the Celtics team is actually going to be pretty good now. And I think uh, we'll see. Like I mean, I, again, like I'm, I'm by pretty good. I think there'll be a, That's a tough sell. There'll be a playoff. That's a tough sell. Well, here's the thing. I, I mean, by good team, I don't think they're going to. They're not being Brooklyn. They're not being. Uh, the they're, they're, yeah, not being I, I don't think they're contenders. I, I want to be wrong, but I don't think they're contenders. Well, to be fair, only I really see Brooklyn as a contender in the East because maybe Brooklyn, Philly, potentially Philly. Philly, yeah, with Embiid and Ben Simmons, they do have a good coach in Doc Rivers. So, yeah, I'll give you Philly, too. Uh, Milwaukee, I honestly don't really buy. I mean, I think, obviously, Giannis is a terrific player. They have a good team, but I don't see Milwaukee as a real, real contender. I really see Brooklyn. I think Brooklyn's, I mean, if you ask me for my finals pick. I, I, I see Milwaukee going to the conference finals and, and losing to Brooklyn or, or, or Philly, one of those two teams. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So, I Brooklyn is still my clear, like, I see them winning the finals, to be honest. Even if Kevin, but Durant I still, but I, but I, but I, but I still see. Either way, I, I would see that series going at least six games. It, it's, it's, it's the East is pretty competitive. It's not. It's I, I don't see it as much of a like a, a runaway as say the West. Maybe, I mean, you have a few. Well, the West, the West is have, what you have the Lakers and the Clippers and the Jazz. Lakers yeah. and the Jazz. Yes. So like, so I mean, you got three good teams over there. And don't forget Denver. Denver just made it to the Western Conference Finals last season. That's a good team. So. So yeah, so 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 yeah, this is probably one of the most competitive basketball seasons I've seen in a while because usually, like usually like one or two teams just running away with it midway through. Hey, the season. it's, it's kind of like that. Having this Golden year. State just uh, run to the finals every year and like just not be challenged. But uh, yeah, it's it's it, yeah, it's it's better than like those four straight years. Like every year, it's just like Cavs, Cavs, Warriors, Cavs, Warriors, Cavs, Warriors, LeBron, Steph, LeBron, Steph, LeBron. Okay, okay, now we got other players to to really look at. So yeah. that's it's it's good for the NBA. It's good for the game. It's good for the game of basketball. It's good for the fans. Exactly. No, it's always good, especially in a league where it's where parity is not really a thing. It's good to have different teams in it. But no, that's our Celtics take. Obviously, the Celtics are 23-23. They're back at 500. We'll see how they do next week. Um, our mood is very much um, reliant on how they do sort of like, I mean, on them, obviously, like we can't take anything for granted from this team. They're not that good yet. They haven't proven that yet, but let's see what happens going forward. So there's the Celtics take, obviously uh, mixed week, three and two overall, but now Rohan, I'm, I know you love baseball. So I'm, we're, let's talk about the Red Sox, obviously opening day this Thursday against the Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I was about to say special edition, man. This is a special edition of the show. This is our last, this is our last show before, before uh, the, the Red Sox really take the field at Fenway, we get to play ball. 
Yeah, and you know, this might be your chance. This might be your chance to really talk about them because so, if they don't do well, then we're probably not going to be wanting to talk about them that much, right, in the season? Well, yeah, I mean, like, the way I see it, I don't think the Red Sox, obviously, like, my expectations are tempered. I, I don't really see them uh, really contending for a title, just the way that the I AL East looks this year. It's so stacked. Uh, of course, like, I mean, the Yankees are, like, almost completely stacked this year. And, of course, you have a tough opponent in the in and the Rays and 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 the Jays aren't that bad either. I mean, don't forget, Tampa beat New York last year in the ALDS, and they actually went to the World Series, and they probably could have been the Dodgers too. They probably would have won if they, they didn't pull Blake Snell. <laughs> that was Game Six, to be fair. So they're already down three two. But anyways, oh, okay, about- but like, however, 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 like history does show that that uh, whenever when like if you're down three two in a series and you win Game Six. More often than not, you end up winning game seven. However, history does show that if you go through the lineup more than two times, the third time around, you're going to mess up. And that's why they pulled Blake Snow. Yeah, that's true. But anyways, <laughs> let's just discuss the Red Sox a little bit, because I think the big news, honestly, for this week is that Eduardo Rodriguez, Alex Cora, the Red Sox manager, says he has a dead arm. And that's kind of a cause of concern because... Yeah, I'm not quite sure what a dead arm means. Yeah, because... I don't know either. So, like, what's going on now? Because and this I, is kind of concerning. Dead arm means that you can't pitch like dead means that it's, it's completely gone like, like i don't think it's like that but that's a strong word i mean like that, that implies his career is almost over like i don't think it's that bad i, I don't know why alex Cora would describe it in such stark terms unless something really bad is going on well I, I don't know it's just an extra cause of concern though because obviously last season he dealt with covid and he missed the whole season he had some myocarditis i may have mispronounced it i'm sorry about that but it's like a heart condition related to covid and now this year he has an arm issue which i know is unrelated but it's almost like back-to-back years your number one starters out and that's definitely going to be a cause of concern because this red sox rotation is not that great like obviously now you have nathan navaldi probably he's going to be the opening day starter then who else is in the rotation now it's going to be martin I know chris sale is out until july so let's not like bring him in at this point. Like he's not going to be around until July. You have Martin Perez um, after Avaldi. Then you have Tanner Hope, the rookie. Um, he played well last year. And then um, Garrett Richards, um, we talked about him a couple weeks ago. We have no idea what to expect from I Garrett mean, Richards. Garrett, Garrett Richards. I mean, like, honestly, like, if, if there's any source of hope, if there's a reason that the Red Sox end up surprising this year, it would be because J.D. Martinez outperforms and he has a great offensive you year. You know, that's possible. That is year. possible. I actually think and Garrett Richards has a Cy Young kind of year, which oh, is wow. also possible, also po- unlikely, but still possible. But if the Red Sox are to outperform, that's what I think it would take. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, okay. But yeah, the way I see like it, but, but the way I see it though, I don't really see the Red Sox getting more than 85 wins this year. I kind of see them finishing third, maybe fourth in division. I don't see them making the playoffs. They're not going to be terrible. Okay. Okay. So of we're course, they got, Ke- they got, right? they, so. got they got, yeah, they, they got Kiki Hernandez coming in. Alex Cora is back though. That's, they got that working for them. Erod potentially coming back. That's potentially going to work for them. If Chris Sale is healthy, he shows up in July, has a good year. That's going to oh, here's the thing. So, boost their win total. Here, I'm going to let you, Rohan, yeah, Rohan sure. just one second. I just want to say this because you're going through like each of the things, like the parts of this team. But I just want to quickly just give a, at least to our listeners, I want to sort of give the projected lineup to this team. So first be- base, you have Bobby Dahlbeck. He's, um, has a, had, he's had a very strong spring training. And he's also a possible rookie of the year candidate based on what I've been reading about him. So that's pretty encouraging. Kike Hernandez, you mentioned, signed from the LA Dodgers this offseason. He's going to be your second baseman. Xander Bogarts, your shortstop. He's always terrific. Like I'm 
I'm pretty sure he's a he's, he's, a, he's a better. I, I, he's wait, your captain. Wait, 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 yeah. Let's be honest. Don't have to worry. Yeah, we don't. Yeah, we don't have to worry about Xander Bogarts. Xander is your captain. He's your most consistent player. He gives it his all. Rafael Devers at third base, slow we'll starter on offense usually, but he should be fine again. But the question, as always, with him, it's going to be the defense. Catcher Christian Vasquez, he's pretty good at what he does. So I like Vasquez. DH JD Martinez. You brought up how he struggled last season, but can he rebound into um, his 2019 form when he had 36 home runs, 105 RBIs, 304 average? If we can get that J.D. Martinez or the one from 2018. The Red Sox are back in business on offense. And then the outfield is pretty much kind of interesting because obviously we talked about this a couple of weeks ago that 2018 outfield that won the championship, that's gone now. Instead, you have Alex Verdugo and now it's going to be time for the Red Sox. Obviously, Verdugo with the centerpiece from the Mookie Betts trade. Yeah, right? I mean, like he, he's going he's gonna to have to be the, the re- somehow the replacement for J.B.J. and that's going to be a tough sell. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that he, I'm not, I'm not saying that he can't do it, but he's got a lot to prove. Yep. And then you have Franchi Cordero, who you got for Andrew Benintendi, the trade with the Kansas City Royals, <clears throat> excuse me, and Hunter Renfro. We talked about him a couple of weeks ago, too, when Anirban and Ravi were on the podcast. We talked about how Renfro was very much a power guy, but he also hits for, he doesn't hit for average very well. But at the same time, he also hit for power in San Diego, and that is a very pitcher-friendly ballpark. So Fenway is a very hitter-friendly ballpark. So hopefully, maybe he can take a shot at 40 home well, not 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 really so much for home runs i mean head to left field you got to hit it over the monster but it is a double pesky pole it, it is a doubles friendly park you got the pesky pole but if you but but good luck hitting a homer if you hit a center field especially if you hit it like near the triangle like that's four, true you know like yeah like the, like it's very it's very rare to hit hit it past there not saying that it hasn't been done but uh but in that sense fenway is one of the the weirder ballparks but that's kind of what makes it unique and that's kind of what makes uh the the experience of a red sox fan what it is Yep, exactly. And also just, I wanted to cover the bullpen too. So obviously um, we have to cover this after, um, before, like I was reading about Matt Barnes, he obviously has COVID-19. We wish him the very best as he recovers from this. He is asymptomatic reportedly. So hopefully he'll be okay and ready to go at some point in April. Yeah, he, should, he, yeah, we'll he, he should be good to go mid-April. Yeah. Two weeks, two weeks. or well, definitely, This is going to be a, this is a loss because um, Barnes and Adam Odovino, who the Red Sox actually acquired. Yeah, Matt Barnes, he, he would have been, he would have been the setup guy. If not, if not the closer. I think he was going to be the closer. I mean, him and Adam Odovino, who the Red Sox acquired from the New York Yankees. Yes, believe it or not, in 2021, the Red Sox and Yankees still do do trades with one another. And Odovino, um, I think he might be your closer now. There's also Hirokazu Savamura. The Red Sox signed him from Japan. He's very enticing as well. And we'll see what the Red Sox have um, in him this season. And then Darvinson Hernandez, Josh Taylor, Matt Andres. Um, he's also um, yeah, the, contact the, the, tracing, so he might be out. Those are all those wild cards. I mean, especially like, like especially like um, players who you get from the minors who who um, who, who who end up outperforming. Those are often the players who are most overlooked, but also the players who come over from Japan because uh, like the Japanese league may not be on on the radar. Of everyone but it's very competitive, though. It is a competitive league. Yeah, something like the, I mean, the Japanese league is basically it's it's a step above AAA, maybe like half a step below the majors, and and like and so and so like a lot of good players from Japan end up getting overlooked. And so if you like, if you can sign them, like that's, that's probably the best way to really build your team without bringing a lot of attention to yourself. Yeah. Sabo Muro is actually very interesting because um, he did do well as a closer, but that was like 2015 and 2016. And Alex Cora has said that for now, Sabo Muro won't be used in the closer role, but also at the same time, I, I think, um, 
Josh Whitlock, or sorry, Garrett Whitlock. He's had a very strong spring, so he's going to be pretty good. And and, and histor- historically speaking, the Red Sox have done well with with the uh, with Japanese relievers. Whether it was Hideki Okajima back in 07. or Junichi Tozawa, Junichi Tozawa, and of course Koji Uehara, 2013. That's what that was like. Daisuke Matsuzaka, he was a starter, but he was good. Yeah, in 2007 yeah. and 2008. In 2007, he was big for the team when they won the World Series. So. So yeah, I mean, like you never underestimate Japan. But I, 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 that's that's like I firmly, I firmly believe in that. Absolutely. So yeah, though that's definitely the case. And like I know Rohan, we kind of talked about some of the predictions. You mentioned the Red Sox at eighty-five win. So I'm just gonna give. Do you want to give like your AL East winner and what your World Series prediction is? Yeah, yeah. So so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the. Uh, it's yeah, it's painful for me to say this, but I think the Yankees are gonna pull off the AL East, and I'm gonna say the wild cards are gonna be uh, the the Blue Jays and the Rays. I think the Blue Jays are going to be in third. The, uh, the, the Rays are going to be in second. Probably the Blue Jays are going to win the wild card game. They're going to be an away team. That's, that's just what I'm speculating right now. And the Red Sox are going to narrowly miss the playoffs with 85 wins. And they're going to be fourth place in the division. And the only sub-500 team in the division is, is going to be the Orioles. And the Red Sox are not going to be a bad team, but just because of how tough the AL East is, that's kind of how I see uh, the AL East going. Um, when it comes to the uh, – like other divisions or the playoff seedings, I, I would have to say that the Yankees are probably, they're probably going to make the ALCS and they're, I would have to say they're probably going to end up making the world series as well. I, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Yankees Rays, uh, ALCS Yankees to the world series. Uh, but in a twist, I'm going to say that they lose the world series to either the Dodgers or the Padres. Interesting. Okay, so you kind of stole my thunder there. So basically, yeah, I also have the Yankees winning the AL East. Um, for my wild cards, I don't know. It's going to be interesting because obviously Toronto, they have George Springer. Tampa is coming off a World Series. You can't ever underestimate Tampa, especially what they do with that small play role. So at the same time, but I'm going to go with, um, for my wild cards, I'm going to have some fun. I'm thinking the Chicago White Sox, they've made some- Cool, White Sox, interesting. They're a very interesting team to watch. I'm going to go with the Chicago White Sox and also I'll, I'll give you the Rays. I think the Rays are still going to be a good team. I think there'll be a wild card this year. And my World Series, you mentioned, uh, you kind of stole that too. I'm going to go with the San Diego Padres over the New York Yankees. That's actually a 1998 rematch when the Yankees won that in the sweep. That year, the Yankees won 114 games and the Padres actually won 98. A terrific season, but they all swept. So I think it's going to be a little bit of revenge from 1998 for the Padres to win at their first championship. But not only this, I'm going to predict that this is going to be the first championship for San Diego sports history because neither the San Diego Chargers have ever won a Super Bowl. And they, they of course, are now in L.A. Maybe they would have a team now. The Padres are their only team now. Yeah, exactly. So I actually think this is going to be the first championship for San Diego. And I love what they're doing. Fernando Tatis Jr. signed to a big contract, 14 years. We covered that too as well. They have a loaded team, so they're going to be a great team. But that's our baseball take. Obviously, the Red Sox, there is stuff to be excited about. And I think, and I have them at 87 wins. I don't know if I said that already. If I'm, I apologize if I repeated myself. But I think the Red Sox will be competitive. And I think it will go through September that they'll actually be worth watching. I think they're going to be way more enjoyable than they were a season ago. But I think right now there are too many deficiencies on this Red Sox team to really see them as a true contender. But I think they are on the right step. So let's see on the right track. Bring us here, everyone. Let's play ball. Exactly. But that's going to be our take. Obviously, from next week onwards, this is our last show where the Red Sox are not in season. So from next week on, we will also cover the Red Sox every week, just like we do with the Celtics and Bruins. But anyways, Rohan, let's talk about the Bruins now. Obviously, a very disappointing Ugh. loss just earlier today against the Ugh. Devils. one nothing again, the second straight one nothing loss to this Devils team. And I don't know. I don't know what I don't know what is what is going on with this team. And it's like they're they're not 
They're not defensively bad. They just ever once in a while, they give up that really bad goal. I mean, Halak was fine. I mean, he just allows one goal. Yeah, so it wasn't Halak's fault. It probably wasn't even the defense's fault because they had their setup in place. The one goal that they gave up against the against the Devils today, it was it was on a, it was on a it was on a screen where they had about three yeah. uh, three skaters in front of them. It was it took a double deflection and like no no goal can really be expected to. Yeah, to yeah. it was just unfortunate. And, and, and it was so yeah. Like I, I really just put this in the unfortunate category, and it's uh, the Bruins did not play badly, but I just think that the number of results where they underachieved have really gone to them and it's kind of gotten into their psyche they really struggled on the power play and and the yeah like the power play wasn't great either and 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 the offense has just been flat like like prior to the last game bruce casty he was critical of the top line the 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 marshawn bergeron posture knock line of course there no no marshawn this game because of covid protocols probably for the next few games as well uh that could have been a part of it uh but 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 even that i said last time on the podcast that they need more production from the other lines and with this they haven't line, not really producing anything, they just it's, don't it's get just, it enough it's just it's just it's just so completely flat and and when i when i when i look at the bruins attack um it's not that it's not that they uh that they're not able to set up attacks it's not that they're not able to um get um get a good four check in it's not that they're not able to shoot the puck uh, sometimes they do make that mistake of passing around too much, but I mean, recently they have been shooting the puck a little bit more, uh, like, uh, like, especially in the last meeting, uh, Bruce Cassidy, he angrily told the team go to the GD net. That's where the GD goals are scored. Uh, so, so given all of that, given all that they did, they did follow that advice. The last, uh, the last game against, against the Sabres. Wait, I also and- want to talk about that though, just before really quickly. That Sabres game, that was also was not a very convincing win because the Sabres are horrible and you barely beat them. You beat them. The six, 16, six, uh, 16, they, were, they were on 16 straight losses and they were about to snap that streak. And, 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 and one of the goals, of course, from Kyle Pozo, who scored his very first goal of the entire season the last time the, the Sabres played against the Bruins. And so I don't know what it is with the Bruins against bad teams. Uh, so what I think New Jersey I, is terrible. Think, they should not. I, they've lost four times to New Jersey now. New Jersey is horrible. So what, that's the thing. I just want to talk about this a little bit because thankfully the Bruins can actually not have to worry about playing New Jersey because New Jersey is terrible. They're horrible against other teams. But but that's the funny also, part. If they're if they're up against good teams, they somehow they somehow measure up and they still make it. Well, well, not the New York Islanders, and they lost again in overtime to them earlier this week. Blew a two nothing league, and obviously you lost two Rask for that game, and that's why. Not, know, I, that's probably that's that's probably what I'm more worried about than the actual loss itself, because because uh, like Tuka Rask was playing well throughout the first period, and after the first period, he, all of a sudden he's gone, and then and then and then I mean, Halak comes in, three goals go in after that. I don't blame that. On, on him entirely per se, but uh, when your star goalie ends up having to go to the bench uh, indefinitely, I, I mean, at least at this point, I don't know what the situation is with Tuka Rask. I mean, that that's that's got to be worrying. Oh, it's and, very uh, worrying. And and, and especially, I, I don't know, I don't know how this is going to play out if they if they end up like making the playoffs or uh, who knows who they're going to be uh, facing. And if it's Tampa again, I'm I'm going to say it's Goodnight Irene right there. Um, I, I, it's 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 painful for me to say that but just looking at the way it's going i just don't see the same kind of fight i have a question i I just have a question and we'll talk about football more but if uh if it's tampa versus uh boston 
which you probably know where I'm going with. But what jersey is uh, Rob Gronkowski wearing to the Bruins Lightning game? Are they wearing a Tampa jersey or a Bruins jersey? I think Gronk is going to be wearing a Lightning jersey. I think I think he's done with he, – he made a statement. He's done with Boston. Brady's done with Boston. Gronk likes Brady. They like each other. They are done. They are done with New England. Fair enough. Anyways, yeah. So we'll see. Like, that's obviously the Bruins. And obviously, like, I mean, today, like, I mean, Mackenzie Black. I don't blame, I don't blame him exactly. Florida's a nice place to be. I don't exactly. No, no, totally agree. Florida's a terrific <laughs> state. It's warm weather. No, terrific environment. Definitely. Maybe not, maybe not a great, great place to be a fan. Although recent history suggests otherwise, but I'll give that to them. Well, I mean, you can't really say that anymore. Like literally all four Florida teams made it to a final in all four leagues last year. The Lightning won the Stanley Cup. Tampa won the Super Bowl. The Buccaneers won the Super Bowl. And the Rays and the Miami Heat lost in their championship round. So all four teams in all four sports made it to the final and 2-1. So I can't even say that. Like the, the fans are having a great time right now. But I just want sure. to quickly, quick aside, we'll, we'll talk more about the Patriots, we promise. But the Devils, just one more time, Mackenzie Blackwood, he was terrific today. I mean, he, also- he made a ton of great saves. He made a ton of great saves, but, but, uh, but, uh, but, but I, I would argue that this is a game. Well, that goalie should have won. That goalie yeah, like, interference. Yeah, the final, yeah, the, the final one, when, when, yeah, when, they, when they had the goalie pulled, they, like, yeah, like, uh, they, they had two or three consecutive shots. Um, they had, had a nice rebound and, and somehow they were able to get it in. And then, and then, and then the devils end up challenging it. And then the ref rules, yeah, yeah. no goal. However, they were in the crease. And as far as I know, once you're in the crease, there is no goalie interference. Yeah. There shouldn't, I don't know what was going on, but it was an inconsistent ruling. Obviously I don't blame the refs for the second call where the puck uh, wasn't fully crossed across the line. Actually, yeah, that was afterwards. Right I mean, it's, it's a good decision. thing that they reviewed it. That, that was, that was the right call. They actually but, ruled uh, as no goal. They actually said it wasn't a goal initially. So I think that was actually the right but, call. But, the, but, the, but there were earlier, but there were earlier opportunities in the game. Like for example, like uh, with with the uh, like with the Bruins on the power play late in the first period, uh, there, there was a clear call, like a tripping call, which should have gone the Bruins' way, and the refs didn't call it. Yep. Uh, it would have been a five on three at the time. And then late, late in the second period, they had they had a double minor. They couldn't really get anything going there. And so, I feel and like so, the Bruins, like they're a good team. They shouldn't have to like rely on this stuff to beat a bad Devils team. Like for some reason, they're just really struggling against uh, New Jersey. So this is definitely like a little bit of, this is pretty concerning, but fortunately they won't have to worry about New Jersey in the playoffs likely. So we'll see about that. But anyway, that's our Bruins segment. Rohan, do you have anything else you want to say about the Bruins before we uh, move on to the Pats? I like it. The, the Bruins look pretty mediocre right now. Uh, like I'm, I'm not saying that they're going to miss the playoffs. They're probably going to just sneak into the playoffs. They can probably make a great run, but uh, they have a lot to. Uh, there's a lot left to be desired out of this team, exactly. and it's not just it's it's not just it's not just the second, third, and fourth lines. It's it's the top line that's not producing, and they they seem to they seem to play down to their opposition when they face a bad team. They play down to that level. They're not they good enough to, to lose. just. And they're not good enough to just sort of play down and still be able to win, right? So that's the issue with that. So I so I mean. Obviously, defense always comes first, but you can't you can't win without scoring goals at the end of the day, and so you can't you can't get it past uh past the goal line. You're not going to win, and that, that's it. Sounds simple, and it sounds very simplistic, but uh, that's that's pretty much what it is for the Bruins right now. Yeah. And 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 like I I don't really see things improving in the near future unless something really drastic changes. Uh, of course, Bruce Cassidy had to. He's he's unusually public in his criticism of the team right now. I'm not quite sure if that approach is going to really um, 
help the team, at least in, in the short run or in the long run. But, uh, but yeah, Bruce Casty has got to be in the hot seat as well right now. Uh, given wow, that's a hot take, given, given, given everything that, given everything that the, that, uh, given the fact that the Bruins have all the pieces together, they're just not able to execute. And if you look at back to 2017, when Claude Julian got fired, um, it was a similarly good Bruins team that was underachieving at the time. And I wouldn't be surprised if, if, um, if, um, if Don Sweeney looks at this situation and, and draws similarities. Uh, so like, so they, they got to get it together and they got to get it together fast before, before things start to get real bad. Yeah, no, definitely. So I agree. I think the Bruins are definitely not in a good situation and definitely I'd like to see more convincing play, which they have not shown this season. So that's anyways, that's our Bruins segment, obviously a uh, disappointing week by all regards. I mean, we're going to be blunt. I mean, one and two and you lose to the Devils, not a good team. And you almost lose to Buffalo or you at least um, go to almost go to overtime against them. So that's not a good week. Yeah. Well, so, well, yeah. Yeah. Luckily, luckily it's only one and two. It would have been one and three or possibly one and four. If those two games didn't get canceled because of COVID. Yeah, pretty I'm, much. I'm, 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 I'm being the Debbie Downer here, but, uh, but yeah, like that, that's, I, I, I totally think that's what would have happened. Just, 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 just like, well, honestly, like I want to be polite, but just in this last week, this team has been trash. Yep. In this much. last week. Yeah. So anyways, let's talk about the Patriots now. Obviously, um, I just really, I think the big news is obviously they had a pretty big free agent spending spree. I mean, they brought in all those players and they also re-signed a defensive player, Lawrence Guy, to a new four-year contract. He's a pretty good player for that team. And the reason this is significant is because the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were apparently looking at Guy to potentially replace Nadavakun Sue, but they ended up um, re-signing Sue. But the big news, at least for this week regarding the Patriots, is that um, for the 49ers, they made a trade with the Miami Dolphins to move to the number three pick in the draft, meaning they are pretty much guaranteed to land one of the top quarterbacks available and you know what that's going to mean now for the patriots right that means jimmy g. jimmy g could be available for the patriots to once again trade for and this although 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 it looks like the niners the, the, it looks like the niners still want to maintain a stranglehold over him well of course they're going to say that and i mean i still think the patriots are going to have to like talk to them and see what there is but the fact that they're going for a quarterback means that they're pretty much not they know that jimmy g is not the future for that team and they're probably worried about his injury history as should we as well unless of course they think that the quarterback is going to be a backup to jimmy g that's the only other possibility I could think that could of, be but... possible for a year right because i mean you can have jimmy g sort of play for a year and then he goes in free agency you release him and then that guy takes over so that's definitely an option but i guess i don't know i'm to be honest i'm not big on jimmy garoppolo anymore like i know in 2019 he took that niners team i mean he didn't really even take them to the super bowl he was sort of like a passenger on that team it's better than cam <laughs> Well, that's a very low bar, so let's not go there. But 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 hey, like look, I mean, like you said last week that the Patriots are somewhat more competitive because a good team around Cam is being built right now. After yeah, the, I mean, series of blockbuster trades that they make that they made about a week and a half ago. So if they if, if the team can be competitive with the with the QB like Cam, just imagine what they could achieve with the QB like Jimmy G. Well, here's the thing with Jimmy G, right? And the thing that kind of worries me is like his durability because in 2018 and 2020, he missed significant time due to injury. In 2019, obviously he's healthy. You go to the Super Bowl and they lost to the Kansas City Chiefs. But the thing with Jimmy G that sort of worries me is his durability. Even in 2016, he only made it through one start because um, he played the Arizona Cardinals week one and they won that game. But the next week against the Miami Dolphins, if you remember week two, he actually hurt his shoulder and he wasn't really the same after that. You had Jacoby Brissett come and start those other two games, um, the four games that um, 
Brady was suspended due to deflate But as a result of that, Jimmy Garoppolo, he's had this injury concern for a while. He is a good, I think he's a solid quarterback. He's a solid bridge guy, but I don't know. Like, do the Patriots really want to like um, give up like whatever the 49ers can be asking for Jimmy G? It could be a first round pick. I mean, the thing is they actually gave up a second round pick. How, how valuable is a first round pick? How, how, how valuable is it? Really? Very valuable. Very valuable. Yeah, 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 like the butt of the bet. Look, dude, the best signings have been deep down like several like like i don't know like what round of pick was brady like okay okay brady is an exception to the rule pretty much every most quarterback i don't have the number right now in my top of my head but pretty much i want to say like most quarterbacks are first round picks the only exceptions i can think of obviously are tom brady i mean he's the goat he's the exception to this okay he is not the rule yeah, by any means dra- yeah dra- draft picks are important but if you're going to go to good player in exchange for a first round draft pick it's not a bad trade if you ask oh, me. it isn't it isn't but it matters who you're going to get out of it. So obviously, okay, Brady, Dak Prescott, fourth round, Kirk Cousins, fourth round. And um, really, that's all I can really think of right now. Maybe there are, I'm sure there are other players who are second round, maybe who um, are in the NFL starting, but those are the three I can think of at the top of my head who are probably among the better non-first round picks. Obviously, Brady's the GOAT. We're not going to dispute that right now. This isn't the show to say that he is or isn't the GOAT. He is the GOAT. I mean, that's all of us can agree that, but anyway, he's an exception to the rule. Brady, I, 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 I'm pretty sure that everyone from the other uh, 46 states in America would beg to differ. Well, okay, but I mean, we can get 44, into, 44, actually. We can get into that argument on a different day, but I mean, it's hard to argue against seven championships. So, anyways, yeah, I think the Patriots. Um, I, I also one other news. Um, kicker Nick Folk, he's back with the team, and you know why this is important, right? Because Nick Folk last season won you two games on his last second field goal like, on Monday night against the New York Jets, and then against the Arizona Cardinals, two last second fifty plus yard field goals. So I think he's a pretty good kicker, and I think that kicking game is um since uh, Stephen Gaskowski is obviously no longer here, I think it's good to have a guy like folk as your kicker for next season he's, he's pretty reliable on extra points field goals any field goal 40 year uh 40 yards or less he's pretty much automatic exactly so, so like i like so, it so i'm not i'm not worried about the kicking game uh rushing game i guess is okay um passing james game, white is back oh that's another big move james white is back so so um, yeah super bowl 51 hero so that's gonna be good Yes, yeah, so they have a good team, and like I'm, I'm eager to see what they have in store come September. Obviously, in a couple of weeks, like we, the NFL has a 17 games. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say they go 11 and six next year. I mean, that's four. Of 11 and six. That's pretty good. I mean, 11 and six. That means you have them in the hunt for. I mean, just Tampa for the record. Tampa last year 11 and five. So you basically have them at the same record potentially as the Super Bowl champions from a season ago. So well, 11 and six with a 17 game season. Uh, but I'm not quite sure how that's going to work because if it's a 17 game season, that means some teams no, are going to have no, no, no. So more home games than away yeah, games. It's yeah, not. It's not. It no. So what's I think I think the way they're planning to do it is like if you have a home game one season, for like if you have nine home games one season, the next season you have nine road games. I think that's how they're alternating it to make sure it's kind of like balanced over time. So I think based on what I've heard, I believe that 17th opponent is going to be. Um, another NFC team, like it's going to be the, like the who finished in the same place that you did. So the Patriots finished third, for example, and I believe they are this year, the AFC 
East is going to be paired with the NFC East for that 17th game. So basically what that means is the Patriots are likely going to be playing the Dallas Cowboys who finished third in the NFC East in uh, 2021. That's going to be the 17th game. That's what I've heard. I don't know if that's official yet or what's going to happen, but that is the plan for at least next season. Whether or not that game is home or on the road, we also don't entirely know yet. And maybe there are some scheduling. We'll find out in a yeah, month. They're going to be up against Dak Prescott. That's going to be a good matchup. Yeah, I mean, he'll hopefully be healthy, and he should be. So he's a terrific player. So, yeah, no, that's our Patriots take, obviously. Um, the draft is coming up in a month, and we will be covering that in great detail because the Patriots have some quarterbacks there who they are, are definitely willing to target and could trade up for. But, yeah, that's our show for this week. Obviously, this was a lot of fun doing the video recording, and we're so excited to offer you the video in addition to the audio. So please, as always, smash that like button and subscribe to us. And we look forward to providing you terrific content as everything goes forward. So thank you guys for listening today. Have a good night. And we will be back next weekend to cover another week in sports news. But until then, stay safe. Play ball. And have fun. Yep. And play ball. Enjoy the baseball season for all you folks who are into it. Anyways, have a good night, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Peace, everyone.